Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to step two of financial freedom, saving a beginner emergency fund. And uh, if you're joining us for the first time, my name is Josh, one of the pastors here at Lifehouse, and uh, we're just so excited about helping you win with money. Saving a beginner emergency fund, step two. What is a beginner emergency fund? Well, this is where we recommend in step two, after making a budget, planning out your finances, step two is setting aside about $1,000 for a rainy day fund. Now, this is a fund that's going to take care of most emergencies as they come up. Maybe your car gets a hole in the tire or your bicycle breaks or your phone breaks, you lose a phone or something happens. Um, instead of going into debt, instead of spending money on your credit card, instead of going into mother-in-law debt or <laughs> instead of go asking your parents for money or uh, you know borrowing against something, um, you have enough money to cover a minor expense. And we find that this beginner emergency fund covers you know, maybe 95% of most emergencies. Most emergencies are not bigger than this. Now, there are going to be some emergencies bigger than this, and we're going to look at that um, in the next steps. Um, But this is a fund just to cover those little things that come up in life as we're going through and getting out of debt. And I want to encourage you, put this somewhere that you can't access easily um, so that you won't be tempted to spend it, uh, you know, on a holiday or that iPhone So you put this in an account maybe that doesn't have internet banking or maybe doesn't have a card attached because if it's easy, if easily accessible, it's easily spendable. So put it somewhere. Don't put it under your bed. Of course, you may lose it. Now, Proverbs 21.20 says, the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. I want to ask you, what do wise people do with their money in a good season? Well, Proverbs 21.20 says they store up food and olive oil. Um, So in a good season, it's good to go ahead. It's good to have margin and it's good to store up for a rainy season. I want to ask you today, maybe you're listening or watching, do you need plastic surgery? You may say, what? What are you talking about? I thought this was a financial freedom course. Yes, I'm talking about spending money on plastic. Maybe you've got trouble. You spend too much on your credit card or on your debit card. Maybe you need some surgery. You need to cut them up. Do you need plastic surgery? Um, I would recommend if you have trouble spending on a credit card, you need to switch to a debit card. And this is where the money comes directly from your bank account. This also helps with budgeting um, and you know, it, it, you can actually spend the money that you have. With a credit card, you can see the money that you've spent, but it's like looking in the rear vision mirror. You don't have a good, accurate perception on where you're going, especially if you're just getting started. But you may say, but what about the points, my credit card points? Well, oftentimes stores and companies, they have a point system, but they're just trying to get you to spend more money at the store. You need to see it for what it is. Be wise, live on the money that you have in the bank not on what you can repay in the future. And, uh, you know, speaking with different wealthy people and people who are doing well in business in different areas of their life, I've never heard a wealthy person saying, see this beautiful house and car and family and all of this wealth I have. See all of this wealth. It's all because of credit card points. I've never heard anyone say that. And uh, so let's not live our life a point system or plastic or anything like that. Maybe we need some plastic surgery if you've got too many cards or different things. And live on your own money. Don't live on other people's money. 
Plastic versus cash. Um, we live in an increasingly cashless society. And of course, we're not going to try and fight that. It's useful and it saves us time. But we need to know that a study by Dun & Brunt Street, they found that people spend 12 to 18% more when using credit cards instead of cash. Um, and actually, McDonald's has said that its average uh, ticket is $7 when people use cards versus $4.50 for cash. And so all of this, use your phone, use your card, just pay here, pay there. You don't feel anything. And so you actually spend more money than if you had to get that coin out of your pocket. Now, I'm not advocating that we need to go back to cash and hold on to cash, but we do need to realize um, that it's easier to spend money than ever. And that's why a budget is so important because even if we're spending on plastic or on our phones or different contactless ways of spending, we need to have a limit to how much we're spending. But there is a heart connection. When we spend cash, something physical, it actually connects to our heart, connects to our bank. When we spend something on a debit card, we do feel that because we know the money's coming out of our bank. When we spend money on a credit card, it's almost like we don't feel it because we spend it, but it doesn't come out of our bank immediately. But you will feel it the next month when it comes out of your bank. And so let's be wise with that. Maybe you need some plastic surgery if you've got too much plastic in your life. So saving up a beginner emergency fund. So let's go ahead, let's save up that $1,000 initially. Some other things we wanna get into practice in this step is life insurance. Big question, people are often talk about life insurance. Now, life insurance is a wise thing to take out. This supports anyone that relies on your income, for example, your spouse or your kids in the case of your death. Well, we don't want to think about that. Um, but when you die, if you've got people that depend on your income, they need money so that they can live because they don't have you to make an income anymore. So what we need to do, a recommended amount, is to take out insurance that's equal to 12 times the income that is needed each year. So for example, if our family needs $100,000 per year, we should take out insurance 12 times that. That would be actually be $1.2 million of insurance. That would be a lot. But this means that in the case of someone dying and their family needed $100,000, they could invest that money, $1.2 million, and they could that could be invested and up to 8% could be drawn out each year to live on leaving a buffer for the investment of 4% to grow and also account for inflation. Now that's assuming that over average, as the average mutual funds, we're going to look at that in a later step, don't worry, um, are making an average of 12% per year. So the, the money is continuing to grow at 12%. You're taking out 8%, which would be $96,000 per year to live on. There's 2% maybe accounting for inflation and there's a 2% buffer in case there's some down years or some up years there. Um, now you may say, but I have a pension. Well, in most cases, a government pension will not cover a family's needs. And depending what countries you're in, there is social insurance and different things, but it's usually in the realm of say $1,000 a month or $1,500 a month which is usually uh, less than what a family needs. And so don't leave your family in debt or don't leave your family struggling if you happen to pass away. And sometimes I, I, I know families that this has happened to them. Um, we don't want to live like that. No, let's live comfortably. Let's live with margin. And if the worst thing does happen that we know our families are taken care of because they have this lump sum, they're not going to spend it, 
They're going to invest it, but they're going to draw out 8% every year that they're going to live on and have the same income that they have had had. All right, different types of insurance. There's term life insurance and there's whole life insurance, the two main life insurances. Term life insurance is the most simple and inexpensive way of life insurance. It's easily available. You don't need a broker. You don't need a salesperson. You just go online and you just sign up. The cost is approximately $10 per $100,000 of insurance. So it's relatively inexpensive. So for $100,000 of insurance, that would be $10 per month. Um, for a million dollars of insurance, that would be $100 per month. The term means that over the term, maybe that's 20 years or 30 years, that the price doesn't change. It doesn't go up as you get older. It actually just stays the same. So depending on how old you are when you start will determine your rate. How long should the term be? Well, in most cases, it should cover your kids growing up and going to college. So for example, if your child is one year old right now, you might want to get 20 years of term life insurance, which means you are paying insurance for 20 years. And then if you happen to pass away in 20 years, well, in 20 years, your kid has grown up, they're in college, they're good to go. Um, and you've been saving, investing. And so your spouse doesn't need the insurance and your children don't need the insurance. So 20 years is fine. Um, so that's the term of it. About 20 years is recommended, but you, you need to time that so when your children don't need it anymore. Uh, whole life insurance, this is another type of insurance. This is a package of life insurance, insurance, um, savings, uh, healthcare, all kind of mixed into one and a generous commission to the sales agent that sold it to you. Um, it's usually sold in person, perhaps even door to door, has very large commissions. Up to half of the th half of the policy that you're paying is actually going to pay the salesperson or the middleman or the company. And it's much, much more expensive. I mean, it may be thousands of dollars per month. Um, and so we would recommend get your insurance with an insurance company. Um, you know, get your Get your, do your investing with an investing company, do your savings with a bank company. You don't need to combine them all together and pay a premium for that. No, get some term life insurance. It's very simple. Uh, do the research for yourself or ask your coach if you're going through this in a course or a connect group. Um, but don't, you know, do your homework first. So have a look at that. So personally, you can know we have term life insurance um, for 20 years. It's going to cover us. It's going to cover the kids. We're going to be fine. And there's just a lot of peace of mind at that, that, hey, if I happen to pass away, or the worst happened that my family um, is taken care of. And so have a look into it. Um, be wary of anything that comes with a salesperson. Remember, anything that comes with a person or a salesperson, yes, it's good sometimes to get knowledge and advice, but you know you actually are paying a fee for that as well. So have a look online and uh, at Term Life Insurance. Medical insurance. What is medical insurance? Well, medical insurance is insurance to cover the gap between the government's health insurance, the public health insurance, and hospital fees that you may have. And uh, oftentimes for a longer stay in hospital, um, it can be very expensive. Maybe it can be $50 or $100 per day, um, something like $3,000 a month, depending on what city, what country you're living in. And uh, so medical insurance is going to cover that gap because that gap is not covered by public health insurance in most cases. So the cost to medical insurance is approximately $20 per month for up to $100 of coverage per day if you happen to get sick. It might be more expensive depending on your age 
And um, most plans also include extra bonus payments or they're going to give you extra money if you need extra cancer treatment or something like that, new or advanced treatments. And so this is relatively inexpensive. Yes, you may not use it, but if you are in hospital for an extended period of time, you would have wished you had medical insurance. In fact, when our second child, Rayma, uh, was born, when our daughter was born, Yuki, uh, well, actually, Rayma was born in the car. <laughs> that was a, that's a story in itself. And uh, so, but we were fine because we had had this uh, emergency fund. We were ready for that. And in fact, it turned into a blessing. We didn't end up using it. And we were actually blessed for that situation. But also when our fourth child, Jaira, was born, um, he was, the doctors told Yuki that she had to stay in hospital for a month before he was born. So Yuki was actually on bed rest in hospital for a month. And that was actually really expensive. It was about $100 a day or more that we were going to have to pay. But luckily, we had the medical insurance. And so rather than us paying that extra $3,000 bill for that time in hospital, the medical insurance covered all of that. And so there's peace of mind there. would recommend medical insurance for sure. And the last insurance that we would recommend is long-term disability insurance. This is similar to loss of life insurance, that life insurance, but this is insurance to cover your loss of income in case you have an accident that prevents you from working. Um, this is more expensive than the other insurances because it's actually a lot more common. It's more common these days that if you had a car accident or something happened to you, that you're still alive, but maybe you can't work the job that you are working in. Maybe you use your hands to do things. I don't know, you might chop your hand off or something. You can't work or maybe you got brain damage or brain trauma and you can't think or act in a certain way. And so this is insurance to cover, to, to give you money, to cover your salary in case you can't work. So the approximately cost for this is about $50 for $3,000 per month salary. So it's relatively more expensive um, and it is more expensive depending on your age. But once again, it's a peace of mind insurance. Maybe you're not going to insure up to your whole salary. Maybe that's going to be expensive, but you do want to have something that, hey, um, if I get a disability, if I get in an accident, if something happens, well, there's going to be insurance that's going to pay me a monthly salary because I can't work if that happens. And so these are the three insurances, term life insurance, medical insurance, long-term disability insurance. Let's get those interaction during this step. And uh, let's also save up our beginner emergency fund of $1,000 and um, Let's get ready for anything. And when you get these three in place, you've started, you've got a budget um, and you've got your emergency fund, you've got your insurances in place, you are doing better than 90% of people in the world. Now, you're going to have to do some research. You're going to have to fill out some forms. You're going to have to look at some stuff online. You're going to have to ask some questions. There's a bit of homework to these steps, um, but it's going to be worth it. And the peace of mind and the sleep easy, your husband or wife is going to thank you. And if something did happen, your family and your children, of course, would also thank you. So hope this step has been helpful to you. Can't wait for our next step, uh, session three, next time. But I'll tell you what, have a great week. If you have any questions, remember, ask your coach or ask your connect group leader if you've got any questions about this step. But hey, have a great week. Looking forward to hearing from you, working all of this stuff out for this step. And uh, we'll see you next time for session three. Well, hey everybody, and welcome to step three of financial freedom. My name's Josh, I'm one of the pastors here at Lifehouse, 
And uh, we're just so excited uh, about helping you win with money and get to a place of financial freedom, uh, doing life, doing finances with God's wisdom. And uh, today, step three, we're going to look at get out of debt. And um, we know that debt means the borrower is slave to the lender. And uh, debt is a weight around our neck um, that holds us back from everything that God has for us in life. And we won't be able to move into financial freedom as long as we have that weight of debt that's holding us back. And, you know, whatever we save or invest, if we still got debt at the same time, it's kind of like um, it's reversing. So every inch we gain by saving, if we've still got debt, it's, it's, there's a net, you know, there's a net zero if we invest, but we've still got debt and there's an interest rate on that. It's kind of canceling each other out. Um, it's much better to remove the debt first and then let's move on to building wealth in later steps. Now, step three, this is the biggest step of um, seven steps of financial freedom. It's a, maybe the one step that people really don't want to do. They want to jump ahead. But I really want to encourage you. This is going to be part of your life story. But let's do this step well. Let's get out of debt and then let's move on to building wealth, investing and living the life, the freedom life that God has for us. Um, Right from the start, there might be a question, is debt a sin? And right from the start, I want to say um, that debt is not a sin. It doesn't say in the Bible that debt is a sin. However, in the Bible, nothing positive is written about debt. You cannot find a positive scripture written about debt. It's not mentioned as sins, um, but there are many cases where it says that debt is not wise. Um, in fact, um, God sent Jesus to pay our debt of sin. Um, he didn't send Jesus to give us a loan on our sin or to give us uh, a debt. He sent Jesus to pay out our debt. And I think that's a sign enough that, that God wants us to live a free life, freedom from debt. Proverbs 22, 7 says, The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. So there's a question there about what power does the lender have over the borrower? And you may not have thought of it like this. But the Bible is actually saying this is actually a spiritual concept. When you borrow money from someone or from an organization, when you owe money to something or someone, you are actually a slave until you pay back that amount of money. Um, and so what we need to do with debt is we need to get out of debt. We need to get mad at it. We need to attack it. And you don't need to save and eat out or go on holidays. or um, Instead, let's have any extra money that we have and let's put it on our debt. Now, to be clear, step three, what we're talking about is consumer debt. So we're talking about all debt um, except our house debt now um, or our mortgage debt. Now, that's still a debt. That's still a loan, but it's a very big loan. It's a very large loan. And so we're going to put that in step six. So you may say, but what is debt? What actually is the debt? Well, debt is anything that we didn't pay for in full. That means it's a form of debt. And so when we buy something, we don't. We shouldn't think about can I afford the repayments? Um, we should think about, can I afford to buy this in full? So um, forms of debt may include credit cards. Um, that's money you've borrowed from the bank. Now you might pay it off every month or you know you may, may get behind and, and that becomes something you divided up into 12 payments or something like that and there's an interest rates, but that is a form of debt. Um, student loans. Uh, here in Japan, 40% of graduates have $30,000 or more in student loans, 
Um, now they may call them a scholarship, but a scholarship is still a loan if you have to pay it back. Um, in America, in the USA, 70% of graduates have a student loan of $30,000 or more. And actually that's growing year by year. It's actually becoming a little bit of a crisis there. Um, family loans, mother-in-law loan, father-in-law loan, <laughs> brother-in-law loan. <laughs> what do I say? In-laws. I mean, just brother loan or family loan or mother loan. Um, this is a form of loan. This is a form of debt. Personal loans, um, car loans. This is a big one. This is maybe the least recommended form of debt if there are any, because as soon as you drive that new car loan, that new car off the lot, as soon as you get that loan and you sign the paperwork, and you drive away, that car is actually going down a lot in value, but your loan is not going down a lot. You still got to pay that off. Um, and housing loans. So obviously housing is also a mortgage and a loan in most cases, but we're going to put that aside until step six. Proverbs chapter six, um, one to five, talks very clearly about that. It says, my son, if you've put up security for your neighbor, if you have shaken hands in pledge for a stranger, you've been trapped by what you said ensnared by the very words of your mouth. And I think there's many people, and maybe this is you today listening to this, and you've signed something, maybe it's a phone contract, maybe it's a credit card, maybe it's a car, and you've actually, you've signed it, and then you've realized, oh, hang on, I'm actually trapped. I'm actually stuck. I'm stuck in debt. This is the case for many people. And this is what it says. It says, do this, my son, to free yourself since you've fallen into your neighbor's hands. Go to the point of exhaustion. Give your neighbor's no rest, uh, free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of the flat, of the fowler. And I don't know if you've ever seen a gazelle running away from a lion, um, but a gazelle, it runs, it runs, it runs, and it changes, and it, it just gets out of it. It does whatever it takes to escape. And as a kid, uh, I tried to catch birds before. I've never caught a bird. It's very hard to catch a bird because if you put a box on a bird or you do grab a bird, it's going to worm, it's going to grab away, it's going to fly, it's going to do whatever it takes to get out of it. And this is a picture that God is painting when we're in debt. If we owe money to someone, we should be doing everything we can um, to get out of that. We, we, we shouldn't be putting aside money to save or invest or eat out or go on holidays. We should be, let's get out of this debt and then let's enjoy our freedom life. Um, there's an old saying like, if you're in debt, the only time you should be in a restaurant is if you're working in the kitchen. Um, there's, there's, if we've got debt to pay off, we should be doing everything we can to get out of that debt, um, not just taking it easy and relaxing because the sooner we can get out of debt, the sooner we can start investing and saving and giving and uh, live the generous life that God has for us. So how can we get out of debt? Well, uh, Dave Ramsey, uh, one of the, the world's foremost experts in financial planning, and he's a good Christian guy, he recommends something called a debt snowball. What a snowball is, is you start on top of a mountain, the debt snowball, and you've got, imagine you've got a snowball and you roll the snowball, you roll the snowball, it picks up more snow, and as it rolls, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until it turns into a huge snowball with momentum. This is what we want to do with our debt. We want to make a debt snowball. So we've got to list out all of our debts from smallest to largest. Don't worry about the interest rates. That's just going to, that's just going to complicate things. Some people think about debt and about finance in terms of interest rates and savings and maths. And, and that's all good. But what's going to get you out of debt over maybe one year or two years is you're going to get mad at the debt. 
The math is not going to get you mad. The math is going to cause you to delay things or change things. You need to get mad at that debt. So forget the interest rates for the time being. Let's list out our loans from smallest to largest and start to pay off everything you can on the smallest loan. And then on the other loans, we don't forget them, just pay the minimum on the other loan. So if you've got a smaller personal loan or a smaller a credit card loan, um, let's start paying everything off that and then let's clear out that first debt. Everything left over from our budget, let's put on that first debt and let's get rid of that. Once that's done, you transfer that amount that you were paying onto that onto the next one and you focus on the next one and you get rid of it. And then the third one, and you get rid of it. And maybe something like university loans or something like that is going to be last on the list. But as you get rid of debt, you're going to feel good. I believe you're going to step into more of God's blessing. And you've got this momentum going where, hang on, I can do this. And maybe what seemed like it was going to take one or two years, suddenly you start to get momentum going and you're feeling good and you're hitting that debt and you're finding extra money or working another job or a side hustle and you're knocking out um, all this debt that could be holding you back. Debt snowball is about momentum. So it's less about math, more about getting mad at your debt and starting with the small victories that are going to lead to a great momentum. So you might say, well, when can I be debt free? Um, well, to calculate how long until you can be debt free, just get the, your total debt and divide it by your monthly savings. So if you have $10,000 um, in debt and you're able to save $100, dollars a month that's going to take you 100 months to get out of debt which is going to be about a hundred um about eight years i guess um now you need to be saving more if you've got ten thousand dollars in debt and you can save a thousand dollars a month get a second job do something like that that's just you're going to be out of debt in 10 months and now many people maybe have a debt of twenty thousand dollars thirty thousand forty thousand dollars student loan You've got to say, how can I get that $1,000? How can I get that extra $2,000 a month to pay on my loan? And most people that we talk to, most people that we coach, most people that we help in a connect group can get out of debt in one to two years. Um, and so if you feel like, well, this timeline is too long, or maybe I can't do it, you need to either adjust your budget, get a second job, or feel free to talk with someone, a pastor or your connect group leader and say, could you give me some advice on this? Um, I remember for Yuki and I, my wife Yuki and I, um, we were married, we, we just started to have children and we were looking at buying an apartment and we saved up money, um, God had been blessing us and we'd saved up money to buy an apartment, to put a deposit down and, and uh, to get a mortgage on an apartment and just when we were about to sign the paperwork, I felt God speak to me about looking um, at my old university loan, my student debt. And I, I hadn't thought about that in a long time because I was from Australia, lived in Japan, and Australia had an agreement that if you lived overseas and you weren't earning money in Australia, then you didn't actually have to pay off your student loans. And that was a loophole many Australians were using. But then I looked into that and actually at the end of that year, they were going to make a law to say, even if you're living overseas, you need to pay back your student loans. And I felt more than that, I felt God say, before you buy the house, I want you to pay off your student loans first. And so I got the password, I logged in online, and I was surprised that my student loan that was $20,000 had now grown with interest, even just the 2% interest rate had now grown to about $30,000. I'd completely forgotten about it. And so I had to go to Yuki and I had to say, well, uh, sorry, I didn't tell you this when we got married, but you know that, uh, you know, that 
that uh, university I went to, actually there was a student loan to that and that money that we've saved for the house and worked hard and we've been saving for many years to buy the house, I feel like God is saying we should put that and pay off the student loan and then get into a place of moving into the house. And of course, Yuki said, yes, <laughs> maybe not initially and maybe it took a few days to forgive me, but we took all of our money and we said, we're going to pay off that loan. And we paid it off and clicked that button. I think it was on the last day of the year, you know, December 31st or something like that. And I tell you what, as soon as we clicked that button, I felt so good. We felt so good. We just felt the peace of God, the blessing of God. And uh, it was like there was a weight we had or a weight I had on my shoulders that I didn't even know I had. But when I paid it off, it was like that weight lifted. And and what happened, we thought, wait, maybe this, we're going to be set back a while for the house. Um, things were good um, with work at the time and with the business at the time. And we were able to get into that very same house that we were actually about to put the deposit down on. We were actually able to buy our, our dream apartment at that time. We probably need a larger apartment now with four kids. We only had one child um, at that time. But I tell you what, I believe we were able to get in there and it was a blessing um, because we were doing things right. And sometimes, if you have debt and there's a blessing coming, when you've got debt, sometimes that thing that was meant to be a blessing, like a new house or buying something new or that new relationship or something, oftentimes I believe the enemies can use things like debt to turn that blessing into something that's not so good. For example, when you've got university loan or you've got a big amount of debt and you stretch yourself and you buy that new house, but you don't have any margin, what happens if the hot water system blows up? Or what happens if the air conditioning stops working? Or what happens if there's a disaster? And if you're stretched too thin, suddenly that very thing that was supposed to be a blessing that God has for you as a blessing um, can turn out to be the opposite case. And so I want to encourage you, let's get out of debt first before we start investing, before we start buying a house, before we start moving on to these next steps, because that's the plan that God has for us. God wants us to be not the borrower. He doesn't, the borrower is slave to the lender. God wants us to be the head and not the tail. And so I want to encourage you in this step, why don't you list out the debts that you have? Now, don't be embarrassed or ashamed by this. Maybe this is just your first time learning about it. Um, look at your credit card debt or look at your, your, your family debt or your mother-in-law debt or look at any car debt or look at um, even your house debt at this stage or your university debt for many people, let's list it out and let's get on a plan that I want to get out of debt. I don't want to have this debt hanging around in my neck until I'm retired or uh, until I pass away. And I don't want to give this debt to my children. I want to get out of this debt now in this one or two year period of my life. And then I can move on to complete financial freedom. And I know it's strange, but there is a weight that's around us when we have debt that, that we don't even realize. But when we pay it off, I tell you what, People are so overjoyed. People are so happy. And I've never had so much good feedback. So many people come and thank me for saying, at first I thought this was a bit too much. At first I thought this was okay. I was doing okay. But then I got rid of the debt and now I just feel free. Now I just feel peace. Now I've seen the blessing of God come into my life in different ways that maybe I wouldn't have had unless I'd been out of debt. And so I really want to encourage you, take this step seriously. It's the biggest step. Um, let's get out of debt in one to two years. If you have no debts, congratulations, uh, move on to step five. But if you do have debt, or step four, sorry, but if you do have debt, um, let's list it up. Let's be getting out of it. And if you need some help, uh, talk with your coach, uh, talk with your connect group leader, or talk with a pastor and say, 
hey, uh, this is my situation. This is where I'm at. Could you give me some advice on how I can move past this? So come on, excited to hear your debt snowball stories. This is the, I believe when you get past this step, when you can do this, it's the biggest mountain, but when you can get through this step, you will feel so good. You'll have the peace, the blessing, um, ready to move into further steps. So come on, excited to hear from your stories. Come on, let's be getting out of debt. And uh, after that, we'll see you in the next step, step four. So have a great week and we'll see you at the next session.